Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. WBZ, Boston's News Radio, you are Jay talking. We're live mid 9 to 5. And Dean Michael Corn of the Massachusetts School of Law is in to cover not only what's going on in Washington, but what's going on with in Massachusetts concerning vaping. And there's a whole list of things to get to. It's been a very busy Three weeks, not actually a month, the way things worked out. You've only, you've only been away three weeks. Yes. Did you miss me? I did. <laughs> we could, you know, there's enough stuff to talk about every week, but I know you have a life. <laughs> I do, but it's always fun being here with you to discuss today's significant legal issues. So we were saying to each other, boy, we deserve better. You take a look back, recent past of people like Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, uh, besides... Pretty clear she lied about Benghazi. Uh, there were the emails, and they were on a, on a server, and they had been subpoenaed, and they got deleted. First, let me ask you, how come she's not on the hook for that? Why didn't she have to face legal consequences for well, that? Well, many would argue she should have faced significant legal consequences for the destruction of evidence. I think the counter-argument is, is it wasn't really evidence at the time that those emails were lost. And the problem with when you have destroyed evidence like that, you don't really always are, uh, know when the information was lost, why it wasn't properly retained. We all have some pretty good theories as to why that evidence uh, got lost and why it wasn't retained properly, because it may have uh, been used as evidence in uh, subsequent actions and the like. But the fact is, proving it, and especially proving it beyond a reasonable doubt, uh, is a significant burden when you don't have access to the information. There's a lot of conjecture and a lot of speculation. Wasn't, there, wasn't there enough to have to go to court, though, if somebody wanted to hold her feet to the fire? Maybe she would have gotten off, but wasn't there enough to go to court? Well, again, that's what many people argue, and that Comey pulled the plug a little too early on that, and at least in part, it helped get us to where we are today, is the the significant fracturing of our uh, society along the lines of political parties. You know, the, there's an old expression, you get the government you deserve. Yep. I'm not sure any of us deserve where we're at in the last eight years or so with respect to the division that we have. And the fact is, is whether it's Hillary Clinton or whether it's Biden now with the issues that are raised. And I know the again, people are split mostly along party lines. Um, but whether it's 
Clinton or Biden or Trump, it would seem like we deserve a lot better. And, and I can't imagine that there aren't a lot of other people out there saying, you know, enough of this um, speculation about the motives and whether people are more interested in their own interests than, than the people's and the country as a whole. I would think that it's time that we need a, uh, uh, a relief from some of this so that we can have politicians and uh, people to guide us who we have faith in. Again, I'm not so sure um, we've had that for quite a while at this point, the way uh, we're so divided. You mentioned Joe Biden. Now, that whole situation is a mess. His son, Hunter, went to work for a shady gas company in Ukraine and uh, there was a prosecutor down there. Some people said that he wasn't. Well, the Bidens said, We're, we want to get rid of this prosecutor because he's not looking into this crooked gas company or, or corruption enough. Other people said he got rid of him because he was looking into the company the son was working for. But all that is, seems irrelevant. The optics of that are bad, Joe. Why didn't you tell your son, don't work for that company? Well, and, and that is the point. The optics are bad uh, either way here. People feel strongly one side or the other. These are not then going to be candidates that ultimately unite us because for every positive argument we can make about them, there are the detractors who are going to say, yeah, but look at this and look at this. How can we uh, have faith in the people that are leading our government if this smell right. of corruption is always somewhere lurking in the background? So there was a big pile of money on the table Involved with the Biden thing, too, which was withheld until the prosecutor was fired, correct? Right. And Biden is on tape saying he did it. His argument and his support for it is is that many people concerned about good government were saying this prosecutor was corrupt. He wasn't investigating, wasn't pursuing corruption within the Ukraine. And the United States was going to withhold aid until um, he was removed. Well, the the other side of this is saying that, no, that has nothing to do with that um, uh, uh, logic. What it really was about was the prosecutor was looking into Hunter Biden and his dad decided to protect him. The problem is, again, we get uh, involved in this. Yeah, but what about this? And the pro and that doesn't lead us in the right direction. It just simply further divides it. It's It's unfortunate, as you pointed out, at the outset, don't we deserve better? Shouldn't we finally be able to have um, candidates that we don't have to worry about this, but we can look at their stands on positions and decide whether those positions are consistent with our own beliefs and without all of the negativity that has surrounded um, the latest uh, election campaigns? And that's what's unfortunate, because I do think uh, we would rather uh, focus on the issues than a lot of the politics that has surrounded um, the last two campaigns. And then you have the current president who is accused of, and actually admits to much of, uh, he, he released transcripts of phone calls which show him to be asking for assistance in basically election interference, and perhaps withholding congressionally approved military aid for our, our ally who desperately needed to fight our arch enemy, Russia, and that too. 
And that's what's under investigation now. And there's, the president, for some reason, didn't think that was a problem, I guess. And isn't, isn't, it, a pro, isn't it problematic when the president doesn't get it? Uh, significantly uh, problematic. And this may be um, the biggest hurdle the administration faces uh, to date because with the release of the transcript, um, with the president defending his actions on that call, uh, the problem is is that many people who have looked at that feel that there potentially exposes him to multiple criminal charges, uh, including uh, uh, Commentators from uh, Fox News also believing that um, that implicates the president in election fraud, potential bribery charges. I don't think it's bribery per se, um, but it does raise the significant questions about uh, the same issue we saw before with respect to has the the president uh, enlisted or president's people enlisted the help of a foreign government in um, the latest election, which is clearly, if that's the case, clearly violates the federal statute that prohibits such activity. So during the Mueller investigation, the much decried Mueller investigation, he was constantly saying, no collusion, no collusion. I was not working with a foreign government to undermine elections. But here he puts forth a document of a transcript that proves precisely that, right? That is collusion. Well, I'm, I'm colluding with him. I'm saying I need your help to help me to sway a United States election. Well, it even gets worse than that because, remember, as part of this, the president, before the, the phone call itself, told his aides that he wanted to uh, ensure that the $400 million that Congress had already authorized to go to the Ukraine not be released until he talked to the president of the Ukraine. When he did, he then made this request for a favor, the favor being to dig up some dirt on the Bidens. Uh, and that's where he runs afoul of, likely runs afoul of our election laws. And, on, and also uh, what's called, and we've seen it both in the Boston Calling case and we've seen it in the admission scandal, what's called honest services fraud. You are using the position to obtain something that you shouldn't be obtaining at all. And we saw it in admissions, the admissions scandal. We saw it in the Boston Calling trial. The fact is you can't use your official position to exert that influence for personal gain. And in seeking the information that would help his election campaign, he is seeking information that benefits him personally not releasing the $400 million that Congress said was necessary for our national security. And this is where in, in, I think he has really made a serious misstep. And likely releasing the transcript may be the biggest mistake the administration made to date because uh, that transcript itself shows the, the phone call that took place. President acknowledges that that phone call took place and that he— made such a request. What he says, though, is that he doesn't believe that's a crime because there's no quid pro quo. Yes, but we'll get to whether or not that's true. I want to be clear about one thing before the break. You have Congress approved money that's aid for our allies, and we don't give that to them because we're nice. We give it to them for our national security because they're a buffer between Russia and, and us. And he takes money 
that it's been earmarked for our national security and withholds it unless the recipient helps him get dirt to win an election. The, the fact that that's national security involved, doesn't that up the ante a little bit? Well, and, uh, yes, it does. And, that, and that's where you do actually start to worry um, whether this is, is the impeachable offense that many have been looking for for some period of time because it does affect our national security. When our framers drafted these provisions, they were incredibly worried about at the time about foreign influence of foreign governments in our elections. Uh, at the time, if you remember, it was going to be France or Great Britain. Um, and this was in the framers' minds at the time when they debated what high crimes and misdemeanors and what crimes would constitute an impeachable offense, but specifically working with a foreign government to undermine our election uh, was in the forefront of the founders' mind. And that's why this one gets dangerously close to, to an impeachable offense. Imagine if it were Cold War time and it were common knowledge that the president of the United States solicited help from a Soviet satellite country to undermine an American election. A quid pro quo, a this for that, is necessary to really seal the deal for those who would see, see the president have to go. First, I have, two, I have two questions. First, is quid pro quo necessary? Adam Schiff says yes. Other people say no. What, what do you say? No, not for... Um every crime that's potentially committed here. A Hobbs Act violation, um, which in essence is a, is a bribery charge, does require, the court said it, I believe it was the McCormick case, Supreme Court said it a few years back, that it does require an explicit quid pro quo. But that's not the only crime uh, that may well have been committed here. The fact is you do have the election uh, violations is uh, again that have raised their issue of the seeking influence of a foreign country in our elections. Uh, you potentially have uh, questions about um, theft of honest service fraud, uh, which is a violation uh, of the federal statutes as well. Um, and you have uh, some common law crimes that one would think about this along the lines of, you know, an extortion or something along those lines where the president has made a, a request and withholding $400 million for some assistance with respect to his election campaign. Speak to my private attorney, uh, Giuliani. Um, speak to the attorney general and provide them information and help us get the information we need uh, on this, and I will release the funds and if, if you look at the language used, the president of the Ukraine is quite clear. They need these funds. They need the weapons to help fight uh, Russia's continued invasion of their country. This is a life-or-death issue, in part, uh, for many— So that's kind of extortion. It, it, I'm not sure kind of. You mean and that's, that's the complete other, extortion? <laughs> yeah, that's the other point, is this whole argument that there isn't an explicit quid pro quo— or it's kind of extortion. These are defenses potentially to the crime. It doesn't mean that a jury couldn't read that transcript, understand the factual backdrop right. here, and arrive at the conclusion that there was a quid pro quo. Work with us, 
Give us information that will assist us, and we will release the funds that you are in dire need of to save your country. You know, the fact is, is that there have been cases uh, prosecuted by federal prosecutors in federal courts around the country that have far less evidence than this one has. And so could a charge be brought with, on the basis of what we have? Without a doubt. Could, it be con- could you get a conviction in a court with a uh, regular jury? Well, that would still be uh, a challenge because the required proof is beyond a reasonable doubt. But the, but the fact that it's a challenge doesn't mean it, it isn't possible. Right. It, it may is, be beyond a reasonable doubt. It may well be beyond a reasonable doubt when you put it in the factual context. Right. And, and the you chronological gather- context. This aide, he cancels one week before the call and then says, hey, I need a favor. Somebody used an analogy. If you go out on the street and put a gun to somebody's head, don't say anything and just kind of accept, you know, I could really use a favor. You know, can you give me some money? A jury would say, no, you didn't didn't explicitly say I will shoot you, but there's enough. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, reason to believe that it would happen without it being said. Well, and, and oftentimes, if we, if we think about it, that is the way these situations develop. People are oftentimes quite aware that they, an explicit threat could be captured on tape or could be reported out, uh, otherwise with all the video cameras and surveillance activity we have now. One would rightly be very careful about the language they use if they were going to be making threats on people's personal safety. So the fact is that the world works oftentimes in in the language all its own. And the fact is this language is dangerously close to violating uh, more than a few statutes. And that's where we're at. And I think Speaker Pelosi is correctly trying to keep the focus rather narrow on what took place on that transcript and whether that constitutes the impeachable offense that the framers intended, uh, and that's okay. where we're at. The, the overused quid pro quo is not necessarily necessary. However, if that were established, then that would be slam dunk, it's over, correct? Yes, I th- yes. I th- if the jury was satisfied that that's, that okay. was the case. So just the event of the congressional approval of the funds, and then the cancellation followed by the phone call might be enough. But you mentioned that he, when he canceled, said, let me speak to Ukraine first. That would be a further uh, proof or it would point to a quid pro quo to me. It, I want to re- withhold this until I speak to him. That makes a much more solid connection for a quid pro quo. Yeah, by by all accounts, this is really his white whale. This is he is Captain Ahab on the ship, and one way or the other, he wants to get the information with respect to both Clinton and Biden, and which is unnecessary. He he won already. 
If it, he just let that go, he could get on with ruling the country. It is, but he wants to win again in 2020. And so now he needs information because all the polling would seem to indicate to him that if he faces Biden straight up, he is likely to lose that election. So now he wants a very similar game plan to what he used in 2016. He wants to get this information from um, whoever he can obtain it from at whatever cost he has to make it. And it's kind of astonishing, the time frame here. This this is a day after Mueller testified to Congress, basically gave him the pass on uh, impeachment from that th- those facts. Right. And right back at it the next day doing something that's just far too dangerously close to an impeachable offense. Let's move beyond the president into who else might be in hot water. You naturally got to go to... Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, some time ago, much beloved, and now much, not so much loved. Yeah, and that's, I think that's kind of a sad turn of events because yeah. after 9 11, um, he was America's mayor. He uh, helped lead the city back. Uh, I think all, all of us thought very highly of him in the job he did there. And unfortunately, now, more often than not, He's almost seen as buffoonish and uh, contradicts himself oftentimes within the same interview. Yeah, I heard it on Sunday. With respect to position. Will you cooperate? No. Will you cooperate? Well, maybe. Will you cooperate? Well, if the president tells me to in in maybe 15 seconds. Yeah, and, and that's what's unfortunate because, A, as the president's lawyer, he should be incredibly careful with his words so that he doesn't make the situation any worse. And I think, unfortunately, uh, a lot of times he reacts so quickly um, that he doesn't realize that he has hurt the president with some of what he said. I know, I know there are many people who think he's the president's attack dog and he does a great job defending him, but I think uh, a better lawyer would serve the president a lot better. Um, and part of that is meaning that the spotlight shouldn't be on you. You shouldn't look for the spotlight. And it's best to work behind the scenes and try to get things accomplished. And I don't believe that many times these days that the best interests of the president are being served by some of the talking heads that are out there, uh, at least ostensibly on his behalf, because I think they make him look bad. And unfortunately, I think uh, Mayor Giuliani uh, falls into that category these days far too often. As far as contradictions go, at one point he says, I'm working for the president. Another, I'm working for the State Department. If he's working for the president, that's private. If he's working for the State Department, that's government. Of course, a lot of stuff will change hinged, hinged based on that, like the documents, the 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 people's right to the documents will be different if it's depending on whether or not he's working for the government or for the the president privately. But but what else hinges upon that? Well, claims of privilege obviously would depend on what his status is. Uh, his access to information, uh, that issue has been raised uh, uh, many times over the last few days as well because uh, there's a question of what level of security clearances, if any, he has. Um, and and the, the other worry about all of this is so... The president, if, in fact, what he's saying is accurate. So the president has authorized a private party 
who has never been approved by Congress to have such a function to go out and negotiate on behalf of the United States of America with these foreign countries. And, and there's... Uh, At complete odds with what the State Department may want. Oh, well, and the, and, and the way the process is supposed to work. There, there's supposed to be a vetting. There's supposed to be concerns about making sure the person is qualified by way of security clearances and to make sure that that person doesn't have other clients whose interests may be at odds with the United States. And so is he really serving the interest of his client, the, as he sees it, the president of the United States, or is he serving potentially other clients' interests as he as he does some of this. The, the problem is, with his present role and what he's saying he's authorized to do, there's no check and checks and balances whatsoever. There's no public uh, inspection of those activities. There's oftentimes no public awareness of the activities. What was kind of interesting I noticed in this is that one of the meetings he had with uh, one of the leaders of the Ukraine, they, they he had in Madrid, Spain. Yeah. Um, which would tend to say, well, why is it there if it's all on the up and up? Right. Why can't you go to the Ukraine and speak to whoever you need to speak to? Right. Uh, it just raises so many issues that are so troubling that, again, I think uh, the president would be better served by having counsel who, who isn't such a public figure and isn't uh, potentially interested in the limelight um, and certainly is uh, a lot quieter about the work they do on his behalf because he, he it raises more issues than it solves uh, and I do think that he has uh, created problems for himself with some, uh, many of his public statements in this issue I don't see as he says uh, him being the hero at the end of the day here and I think unfortunately many uh, people feel that his his image and his reputation has suffered over the last few years by um, the manner in which he carries himself in uh, ostensibly representing the president of the United States. When I see him speak, a lot of times it seems like he's so busy trying to get his own self out of legal jeopardy that he makes mistakes and imperils the president. Well, th and many that's not that's not uncommon for people to say that or feel that that way at all. Um, and that's that. That is a, a legitimate criticism. I mean, at some point, if the lawyer is part of the conspiracy or is part of the criminal activity, then whose interests are they more likely serving by making statements or taking various actions? Are they really do they have the interests of the client first and foremost in their mind or are they worried about their own uh, potential fate here and are acting in a way inconsistent with their client's interest. And that that issue has been raised numerous times with respect to uh, the activities in recent activities uh, of, of uh, on behalf of the president that he's ostensibly engaged in. Just as an observation, I watched uh, him with George Stephanopoulos on Sunday, and he seemed to come unhinged. I don't know if you saw that. No, I did. And I am I yeah, I, I haven't don't seen Giuliani that much, but he seemed to truly become unhinged and almost be crying. His uh, voice started to crack and he started to blink. Well, I think he gets emotional. I do, I don't think that um I think he's you know, I think he's a very intelligent man. He's smart as a whip. The problem is I think sometimes he speaks when he should be listening more often, and he speaks before he's he like sometimes his ego speaks. gets in the way, correct, uh, of his in intellect. 
I, I think of his representation of the client sometimes. Okay. Again, the interest of the client should be first and foremost. Frankly, you know, a lot of times you don't even want to see or hear from the lawyer, the lawyer, until we're in court. Uh, and the fact is, uh, we see him all over the dial defending what he has done um, when we should be uh, not even looking at his activities, but trying to examine whether his client um, is innocent and has not committed the activities that people are talking about. I need to go back to quid pro quo uh, just for a second. I've neglected to bring something up. In my research, I see that Ukrainians will say there are certain Ukrainians in, in key places that will say it's pub it was public knowledge that uh, aid was dependent upon military aid was dependent upon playing ball. And I'm thinking if that's really common knowledge, somewhere somebody wrote an email about it, and it's at some point it's going to come out. Now, who else? No, before that, what might America's mayor be on the hook for if things go south? These being complicit in this with the president or or more Consp uh, well conspiracy to violate the election laws the election laws the uh the one that specifically talks about um seeking assistance uh obtaining something of value from a foreign government to influence the election um that to me is pretty clear that that is uh, a significant risk here uh, the fact is that that statute potentially could be challenged. It was in the Mueller report um, that there may be some free speech implications with respect to that statute. But that's the one that's most clearly at, at directly at issue uh, is that this opposition research, this dirt on the Bidens, um, would cl should clearly fall into something of value. And if you're seeking to obtain that, uh, then that's potentially seeking the influence of a foreign government in our elections, and it's specifically prohibited. All right. So if there were documents that were, say, between Giuliani and the president, and Giuliani was playing the I'm the president's lawyer card, so we have privilege, if Attorney General Barr were also involved in anything that generated a document, since he is absolutely not a private employee of the president, but a public employee, if he's involved there, would the subpoena power be more have more teeth? Uh, well, yes and no. I mean, because you still, we haven't examined the various claims of privilege that are at work here, including the pretty broad executive privilege argument. And so it really is a question of what the contents of the uh, documents would be and whether there's going to be claims of attorney-client privilege or there wouldn't be with Barr privilege. though. No, but that's where you that's where you come into claims of executive privilege between the president and his he's part of the, and, the and his attorney general. Yes, and and so there would be. But he here we get to does he work for the people or does he work for the president? Well, and that I think to me that's an interesting question that we really should be looking at here because with Barr's involvement in this. Barr's involvement, uh, at, I guess, from by news accounts, urging the president to talk to Australia and try to get this information. Um, there's a real question about whether Barr sees his role as serving as, in essence, another president's counselor 
or whether he is the people's lawyer. And in a, in a lot of administrations, the attorney general has been seen as the, the lawyer for the people of the United States. But Barr uh, oftentimes, I think more recently, has been seen as yet another adjunct to the, the president's counsel. He has uh, provided advice with respect to him contacting Australia. He's relatively quickly examined a couple of these issues from the Mueller report to even the latest challenge from the whistleblower and said, well, there's nothing really here. Um, it's kind of uh, quick without looking at the full timeline <coughs> and what other, uh, other evidence there is to say that there's no criminal activity. So here. the whistleblower got information and passed it on to the Justice Department? Yes. And didn't the Justi but, Justice Department sit on that? Well, and the Justice couldn't they be on the hook for that too? They reviewed it and determined that there was nothing there. Yeah, uh, but with, of with course, with respect to warranting criminal charges. But we don't know whether that relates back to this part about the president can't be charged criminally while he sits as president, or whether they looked beyond it to see what merits there are. What's kind of amazing is once that uh, transcript's released, um, there's very few people who could. Uh, actually defended on the basis that there was nothing there worth moving forward. Maybe, well, maybe the, the sitting president couldn't be touched by this, but Giuliani could be. Yes, he could and be. And so at least the Justice Department should have moved forward in terms of Giuliani. But think about it. The whistleblower complaint names both Giuliani as well as yeah. uh, Attorney General Barr. So who's the person that's at the end of the day going to be signing off on those charges? At the time it, it that memo got there, it would have been the attorney general, who many argue at this point has to clearly recuse himself uh, from any uh, involvement in these proceedings. But we, we saw what, what that meant for the previous attorney general. It meant the end of the line at some point. So, Will, I'm going to ask you if, to what degree... Barr is on the is vulnerable legally after this break on WBZ. We gotta talk. What do we got to talk about? Mr. Bradley. Jay talking. You hear me? With Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you want to talk? About what? I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Talk, 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 talk. Okay, talk. Jay Talkin' with Bradley J. WBZ, News Radio 1030. So it's WBZ. We're speaking with Michael Coyne, Dean of the Massachusetts School of Law, about what's going on in Washington now for a few more minutes, and then we'll get into more local stuff. I'm curious about what kind of vulnerability Attorney General Barr faces in all of this. Well, and the problem is that's come to light today is it's not just Barr that potentially has exposure here. Pompeo... Uh, was in on the phone call with the Ukraine on July 25th as well, uh, which does, by the way, provide some support 
for Giuliani's claim that um, uh, that the State Department enlisted his aid in this regard and and knew what he was doing. Um, so uh, I don't know where all of that lays out at the end of the day either. But what it says, or what's troubling about it, is it says that this the president really isn't on a rogue mission here. He has the aid and ostensibly the support of others in what he's doing. and Which is a conspiracy. Which is a conspiracy, and it, it worries you that is there any check and balance within that to say, hey, this is wrong. Now, they've, we gone, have, they've gone rogue. Uh, the, the, yes. The that's aid the had been approved, and they went in sort of contempt of Congress. They went rogue and decided we're going to do something different. Well, and isn't this what led to uh, President Reagan's trouble in the Iran-Contra affair, is that they decided to do what they wanted? You, you know what was interesting about this, uh, the point we hadn't touched on yet, in doing some research for the show and really starting to dig uh, dig deeper into the whole impeachment thing, every president since 1980 has faced some impeachment challenge based on activities uh, while they were president. So Reagan, Iran, Contra. It, you fill in the. Okay, fill in I'm the not going to fill in it all right now. I can't. Uh, George Bush, I think, was both the, the second. Well, Clinton, we know what his problems were. Who yeah. was by? He was actually impeached along with Andrew Jackson, who's the only other contempt of Congress president. over Reconstruction stuff. Uh, but those were the only two presidents, despite all these challenges over the years, who were actually impeached by the House of Representatives, and both were found um, not uh, responsible yeah. for those impeachment offenses by the Senate. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember uh, what the Bushes were both faced. The uh, uh, it's okay. We'll get it to them later. Yeah, we ha I have it somewhere. I have notes somewhere if I can find what I did with them because I thought it was interesting as you started to look at it that they all faced various challenges, some more significant than others, obviously. Uh, what, what, just while you're looking at that, Nixon is uh, was on the hook. One of his articles of, of impeachment was contempt of Congress for stonewalling over subpoenas, the exact same thing that we're seeing, we, we have seen recently and we may see in the future. One question I do have for you is, why now is stonewalling on subpoenas such a bad thing where the, the president and the White House have been doing it for months and months and months with with no real consequences? Why, why is it consequences now? I think it's the significance of the factual support for the charges that are present here is what's um, posing such a big problem with trying to Delay, delay, delay. The fact is, is that this there is uh, some significant evidence that supports that what the president was doing here was an impeachable offense. And so I think they're realizing now that they've got a much bigger challenge than they've faced over the, the first few years of the presidency. And so there is some urgency with which they have to deal with things, and there's some urgency with which the court is going to deal with this as well. And, and that's, that's what we're looking at at this point is we've got a situation that if it's narrowly focused, um, it's going to be a little difficult for the president to actually uh, defend on this basis that uh, somehow this doesn't constitute some criminal offense. The problem that, uh, and I think ultimately where they'll get to in defending it, is even if there is some election uh, violation, 
it still doesn't uh, rise to the level of a high crime and misdemeanors as our as a as our framers intended. Uh, I think there's support that it does again because if one goes back in time to the Federalist Papers and some of the early uh, writings of our founders, they were terribly worried about foreign influence in our elections because at the time. Um, many people in this country uh, had loyalties to, to Great Britain, and others, uh, after the American Revolution, favored France for its assistance in the American Revolution. So there were um, significant interests that, 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 that had allegiances of some sort to our foreign governments. Uh, and 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 so the founders were worried that that they would attempt to influence our elections. Makes sense if you think about it. That at that point in time, the riches of America were there for whoever chose to take advantage of them. And there were um, two significant countries that had an interest in it. Later on, obviously others. So is is the hiding of the transcript in the ultra secret super triple X secret yeah. file? meant for national security secrets. Hiding that in there, is that a crime in itself, or does that just speak to, gee, what are you hiding? I, I don't know whether it violates a, a, an additional criminal statute, but many would see that uh, what's called under the criminal law is consciousness of guilt. Once it, you it get, do, It once doesn't you, belong there. Once you've established that thing is, that's in there that doesn't belong there, does that allow investigators to go into that file and see what else might be in there for evidence like transcripts of the secret Putin meeting. I think it does, and I think that's precisely what the uh, various committees of the House that are investigating this matter intend to try and do, is to get, get some uh, inventory of what are in these databases so that they can examine whether there is other information that doesn't belong there. Because you may find it in a, a very similar situation with Putin. You might have made promises similarly to Putin. See, to me, that, without being the conspiratologist, that may be why they released this transcript so quickly, is they didn't want a full-scale examination of what else might be in there. And that's, that's the only thing I can think of. Because you wouldn't imagine they would make such a humongous mistake to release that tra transcript, where if they hadn't, all there would be is hearsay. And, and that's, that's correct, that the whistleblower's complaint is, in fact, hearsay, so it's not going to be admitted, doesn't come from a competent source. But that's really a red herring under the circumstances because the president's admission and the transcript itself that the conversation took place and this is what was requested on the phone call, that's hard proof of what uh, was asked for and what was held back in the um, anticipation that they would get Ukraine's assistance. All that information is, in fact, competent and would be received by a court. And and the, the, the release of the transcript is such hard evidence, it's astonishing to me that they would release it so easily. Dean Coyne, a minute to talk about what's going on at the law school. You, uh, you're halfway through, almost halfway through your semester. Yep. Correct? We're, yeah, we're approaching midterm examinations in, I think, uh, a week or two. Um, it's been a fun semester so far. It's always uh, surprising how quickly uh, we come to the midpoint and then the end. Um, so it's been it's been fun. We got some interesting things planned. We've got a big uh, softball game coming up. We've got softball uh, game between who? 
Uh, between whom? Uh, it used to be <laughs> between the faculty and the students. Now it's and alumni and the students because uh, we've all the faculty, the faculty been, hurt their leg, <laughs> banged up. <laughs> faculty <laughs> broke their leg, and they don't get along as well as they used to. Uh, no, out of an abundance of caution, uh, we're going to take it, try and take it a little easier these days. But we are going to the amusement park near us this weekend. Uh, for Family Fun Day as well at the that law sounds school. sounds like fun. It you is. Know, I, I know my limitations. My softball days are over. Thank you, Dean Coyne, for coming in. We covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate you coming Thanks, in. Thanks, Bradley. All right. WBZ. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.